0: Hello, you're listening to the Mad Culture Podcast recorded right here in the Mad Culture shop, Clarkwell, London. I'm Jeremy Leslie.
1: And I'm Liv Sidor. Hello and welcome to the Mad Culture Podcast. Back on this sweltering hot day in London to bring you all the hottest magazine news. I'm Liv and hello Jeremy, how have you been?
0: I'm well. I've been away.
1: You have been away. How was
0: it? It was very nice. I was in Croatia, which is great, except it was a magazine desert.
1: What do you mean? Nothing going? There were
0: no magazines of any interest.
1: How did you survive?
0: I took some with me.
1: (laughs) What did you take? As discussed at the (laughs) end of the last. Uh,
0: I can't remember. What did I say I was going to take? I took them. New Yorker. Yeah. And, I don't know.
1: Excellent. Right, let's get down to business. What have we got? Jeremy, you've got an amazing pile in front of you of magazines all about the moon landing. Can you tell us what you've got there? I have, because
0: 50 years ago, everyone's celebrating it and and we're very sport now with with all the media showing us again and again the same images of the moon landings and the Apollo 11, etc., etc. But I had, I just stumbled across the three special editions of the Sunday Times magazine from that era, from 50 years ago, that were published in the three weeks after the moon moon landings happened. And they just tell a completely different story of, of a media age we think of the 60s as being maybe not that different to where we are now, but 50 years ago, the Sunday Times magazine, a week after the moon landing, which was meant that it was three days after the guys had already returned to Earth, they were able to reproduce in their magazine full of news. All they could do was show the liftoff, the the actual the rocket taking off. And this this spread here is is it where uh, Houston, where they, where. And actually, it was Florida, where, where the, the, the rocket took off from and the art director, took, David King, took the photograph. So this is
1: three days after the moon landing, so this is they a were week, talking it's, about... It's
0: a, week, it's a week after landings. This was the only, only stuff they could show. And then they had shots off the TV screen <laughs> in black and, of, of the black and white live footage from the TV of a blurry astronaut on the moon. That's all they, that's all they could have. And then
1: some adverts for cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs>
0: And then the following week, they actually managed to have a few pictures. So this is now uh, two weeks after moon landings had happened. Like, you no, know, yeah, today, you, it'd be an Instagram story in five minutes' time. Here, we ha- actually did manage to get one picture of the moon. But otherwise, it's, it's more recent pictures of the men after they've returned. So
1: there's still no pictures from... So there's from... still not any
0: real pictures from on the moon. There's a shot from inside the, the capsule. There's some really grainy stuff.
1: Pictures of the moon, yeah. but nothing of the landing, and that's two yeah, weeks yeah, later. Yeah, 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 And then, so then- finally, three, <laughs>
0: three weeks later, this special issue, they were able to tell the whole story. Three weeks after it had happened, this was the first time that the world saw colour pictures of the moon landing. And they, even then, they're still dressing up. They've got the takeoff and the liftoff, and the, going around the moon, the shadow of the spaceship, and then finally you have the shots from the moon.
1: Oh, but look at the photos. I mean,
0: they are the photos. But these are the photos that, like today, would have been just, just there. It
1: would have and been a live photos. stream. I yeah, it would have, yeah, it would have
0: been live stream around the world and da da da. da. These and photos these are, are
1: so beautiful, though.
0: And there's the, the the photograph back of the earth.
1: God, and to think that that picture had never, I yeah. mean,
0: but it's, it's but pretty mind blowing. so. so We sort of know all these pictures now, or or we've been seeing them again and again and again everywhere, and documentaries and everything. It's so well covered. But at the time, it took literally three weeks from the landing to people being able to see colour pictures from the moon of the people on the moon.
1: I bet there's so many of these issues floating around. My grandma collected these ones. We've got Mm -hmm. them in our house somewhere.
0: yeah
1: Um, It's the kind of issue that people would hold on to. I imagine it'd be pretty good if you were doing something else during that time and you got featured in that issue because it was going to really... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if you were interviewed in the Times yeah, yeah, Magazine yeah, yeah, in yeah. that issue.
0: There was a Stanford summer that made the point that 600 million people watched it live on TV mm. across the world but that another 600 million people in the world didn't even know it had happened because oh. they, and they were the Chinese. Nobody in China even knew the moon landings had happened, apparently. Wow. Different times.
1: Incredible. What about the National Geographic? So,
0: and the National Geographic magazine just launched the, the kind of definitive souvenir of 50 years later, and then you get all the infographics and the same pictures repeated, but in much better quality. Extraordinary, um you know, detail to do with the uh, popular culture and the dolls that are available and all the souvenirs. And,
1: oh, I'd love to read that um, issue.
0: And there's, and there's some of the same pictures that we just saw in the Times, but all reproduced here. Beautifully.
1: You could just look at those pictures forever, couldn't you?
0: You could. They're
1: so good. Because there's
0: a brilliant book of them that's available. But you know, that's I mean you could you could almost now you could produce a book yeah. quicker than they did that magazine. <laughs> <laughs> just about.
1: Excellent. So moving on to some other magazine news. Uh Graham? Um,
0: there's chap Graham Roundthwaite who's been at ID for the last 10 years and way before that he was the art director at The Face. Mm-hmm. But he's just left ID. And I'm not sure what he's off to yet, but that's a significant moment for ID because Terry Jones was the man who's created director for most of its life and he handed over 10 years ago to Graham Routhwaite And he's off, so I don't know what that means for ID, but it's a fascinating change.
1: Yeah, I wonder who's going to step into the shoes.
0: I think they've already announced, was it... I think the former fashion editor's coming back oh. to take over.
1: Interesting. But he, he
0: was almost like, he was just part of... He, he was ID. So it'd be interesting to see that happen. But you've, you've got memories of him from,
1: yeah. But I didn't realise I did. But um, having just googled his name, I realised that he used to be an, a sort of fashion illustrator. Mm-hmm. Well, or just illustrator. Like kind
0: a of lifestyle illustrator. Yeah. There but, was but there, there was
1: a very certain genre of illustration in the late 90s, late nineties late nineties early noughties, which is kind of like urban, kind of gritty, drawings mm-hmm. of of the youth.
0: But they were, and it was, but they were he, kind he of was, almost traced photographs, sort of thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's
1: the kind of thing that then evolved into the kind of things you'd get on sort of nightclub compilation CDs. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thin, glamorous people hanging out in lounge bars. But this was kind of this kind of predated that a little bit, and it was just people kind of hanging out in these kind of gritty street scenes, teenagers, kind of heroin chic vibe. Yeah. And so, th- these illustrations that I had in books when I was about twelve or thirteen or something, I would pore over and just try and copy them at all times during lessons and whatnot. But it turns out that uh, Graham Roundthwaite, ID creative director, or ex-creative director, was one of the pillars of this scene and drew uh-huh. these incredible old illustrations of these kids hanging out in the street. And I haven't looked at these pictures since, I mean, since I was a teenager, so it's quite a blast from the past. But they are... Blast from the blast from the past. But yeah, they're pretty cool and it's very <laughs> yeah. over time. And it's nice to see. Yeah. I haven't seen illustration like that for a long time that's kind of taken me back to how things were. I don't know. Did you ever come across his work before? Yeah, no,
0: as soon as as soon as you showed it me, I recognised it. There was that period. And it's a kind of a time when all illustration would, had almost sort of lost its cool. It was part of the return of illustration. Yeah. And it was it was quite computer orientated. It was the kind of line drawings of colours put in. And yeah. I, I think it probably slightly based on photographs, but so quite realistic, but illustrative. It was interesting. It was a very particular aesthetic, which uh, Yeah, there were two,
1: two books. One was called mm. Hand to Eye. One was called Fashion Illustration yeah, Now. Yeah, 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 and yeah, they were yeah. this kind of like, as you say, like illustration just kind of had this moment where it became really cool mm-hmm. and computers had kind of come in. And that was a big deal, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. this podcast shouldn't be about illustration, but it's funny to think about people who were kind of big parts of that scene and what they went on to do, which was to be, to be to, the creative yeah. director of ID, which is completely, yeah. Yeah. well... Kind Of a very cool transition, but um, very interesting. But well done, Graham. You made some great illustrations and some great, I'd be interested to see
0: what he comes back and does. Yeah, maybe um, he's going to go back
1: to the drawing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be
0: nice. <laughs> Most people, when they leave a big job, they, they turn up somewhere. Graydon Carter, who was the uh, editor in chief of Vanity Fair, disappeared from the magazine uh, maybe or oh, maybe about two years ago now, and he's just re emerged with his new project. He's got huge backing for this uh, online project called Airmail, hmm. which. The first issue of which launched this this week, uh, and it's a newsletter, but it's a newsletter behind which there's a whole, a whole website. So you access it by subscribing to, paying for this newsletter, and then it takes you off to all this different content, which is actually very similar, surprise, surprise, to what he was doing at Vanity Fair. So lots of kind of big financial stories and kind of big research stories as well as quite a lot of gossip. But it looks cool. It looks well. It's really nicely put together. Whether it can work financially or not remains to be seen, but anybody that liked and enjoyed his era of Vanity Fair, maybe with a small addition of of some of the looks and feels from Spy magazine, which he was responsible for, will enjoy that new project.
1: Yeah, it looks really cool, actually. Very exciting. What else have we got? The Stack Awards this Uh, year?
0: Yes, we're both judging them this year. Yeah, exciting. different, Different categories.
1: What are you judging? I
0: am doing this year the launch of the year. Cool. along with Debbie Millman so if you reckon you've launched uh, an exciting new title then get your entry into to stack. you can find it online Debbie and I will be judging it the inevitable question arises what do I think should, should, should be in there I don't know but I could suggest some should I suggest would, what some what would you like to be in there uh, three come to mind one is Day Plus Night that little New York set tape thing yeah um which we mentioned last time I'd love to see that in there whether it should win is another thing but it should be uh I'd like to see that entered that's the highlight for me along with Oso another Mm -hmm. American magazine the, the skateboarding
1: skateboarding magazine yeah and
0: then Days Beauty was a real surprise when it turned up yeah and I hope that was a test I don't know what's happening with that but I hope there is going to be more from that because that was really interesting
1: yeah I hope
0: so um and you're doing the student awards
1: I am yeah and I've got no idea what to expect but seeing as we're recording this on the day that Boris Johnson's been elected as Prime Minister, I would hope to see something quite political. Mm-hmm. But maybe, um, I'm not really sure. I think the student magazines always are always so great because they're always so full of energy and they're always fun. Well, they tend to be fun. Or they're about quite niche topics because mm-hmm. they can afford to do something quite silly or a kind of like a one-off. But what I would like to see, I think, is a student magazine that was taking writing a bit more seriously and uh-huh. commissioning well and maybe kind of looking to commission other people their age and mm. work with illustrators designers but and m-
0: my my experience with the student magazines is that they sort of fall into one of two pots: either either very well written and really impenetrable as visually yeah or else they're just they're visual explosions and there's nothing to them and then yeah you want to get the middle range you want to get both
1: i'd love to see a student magazine just pull together like i'd love to see someone just make a team of people as a magazine should be just get together an art director, an editor-in-chief, an editor, like get together a team of very cool people Mm -hmm. who want to make a magazine and make it together Mm -hmm. and sort of become this, have the sort of same camaraderie as like a band would have when they're going out to do something together. That's what I would like.
0: As a magazine Um, should be. Yeah, Yeah. I think
1: so. So that's what I would kind of look for.
0: So where do you think they, do they fall for this idea of democracy (laughs) or no one's in charge or what's the... Well, I think
1: it can be quite difficult in today's modern... (laughs) Climate. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking as the old woman that I am, I just feel like, having spoken to a lot of students, I feel like there's maybe more of a, an inc- or more of a desire to do things on your own for your own personal uh-huh. brand yeah, yeah. and to focus on what you want to be doing and what you should put out and you take the credit for it. But actually, some of the best projects come from collaboration and especially yeah, magazines, because yeah, yeah. you get this kind of you get, you get the clashes, you get the kind of politics surrounding it, and you get this kind of exciting mix of opinion and I, I, I just think that's probably something that wouldn't cross as many students mind as it would have done yeah a while ago in terms of like let's do this together rather than on my own you might get people joining up just with one other person that's that's fine too mm. but it'll be really exciting to see people yeah, the sort division of clubbing of labour together is complicated isn't it at that it stage? is yeah, yeah, yeah and actually yeah, I wanted yeah. to mention something about that in a magazine we're about to talk about in a minute but yeah I think it's that division of labor that can is maybe the most difficult part in making a Mm -hmm. magazine and that's probably what is putting them off doing that
0: (laughs) yeah there's a long-term problem I I can remember way back just after the moon landings no um (laughs) when I was at university I went to what was then the London College of Printing and we had a printing department we had a photographic degree course we had a journalism course and I was on the graphic design course could we get a magazine together (laughs) It was ridiculous. I mean, it was the perfect... It was a very rare case of all the disciplines being available in-house.
1: Exactly. But we
0: just couldn't... You know, we couldn't mix it. Maybe
1: you need one sort of ringleader. Yeah, well, that's one, what I mean. One person yeah, yeah. in the driving yeah. seat to be yeah. like, right, come on, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. And then everything else can kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. But that's a big undertaking. But it, would, it would, I think it would feel good. It would feel good to read something like that. It would feel good to know that people were kind of coming together to make a difference and make something that maybe is you know I, I, ideally they would do you know it's it's so inspiring to see uh like kids getting together and sort of striking and not turning up to school because they want to go on climate change yeah, marches yeah. that feels good to see mm-hmm. and imagine if you saw a student magazine that's coming out and there's people being like right we've got a point of view we're all coming together to say it mm-hmm. how powerful that would be and that's what i would quite like to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. not asking too much there am i just uh i'll just have a magazine about eggs or dogs like normal that will be fine <laughs> <laughs> But that is quite a good segue, I suppose. Not into an exit. Well, 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 well,
0: they're talking of ringleaders. There, there's a ringleader behind this project we were looking at, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So this magazine is going to get out. It's called Garment and it's the 16th edition of Garment mm-hmm. and it's a magazine of the Amsterdam Fashion Institute and it is sort of headed up by the tutor of the course who yeah. is called... Frank Williams. Frank Williams. Frank, um,
0: he come. He brings the, the team of the students to the shop each year for a tour and to get inspired and hopefully buy lots of magazines obviously.
1: Yeah, uh, um, it's really cool this magazine. Yeah, yeah he makes a theme every single year of a piece of clothing and this year the students have chosen to do underwear which Which was
0: a a bit of a bone of contention when they visited this year because he and the other teacher were a bit kind of rolling their eyes and say i can't believe they've selected underwear yeah i think they were a bit doubtful of that as a theme but they've made a fantastic magazine from it. It's funny because
1: whenever I've done workshops with students to make magazines or gone to go and sort of do that at universities and set briefs, there's always one magazine that's a sex magazine mm-hmm. because there's a student who's sort of like, yeah, sex sells, let's do this. And it uh, often and it's it, slightly, often it can, slightly
0: contentious. Slightly but it can also maybe fall
1: a little bit flat. They'll You know, you mm-hmm. might get some kind of toilet paper magazine style yeah. photo shoots of dildos or whatever. And it's, it's, like, it's all very well and good. But this one, uh, they've chosen underwear, but rather than make it kind of um, mm-hmm. in any way predictable or done before... It's just great. It feels like a student rag, even though it's mm-hmm. it's, it's much more, it's much better. Yeah, much but it's more better.
0: sophisticated than that, I think, isn't it? It yeah. rises above that. And uh, you're talking about teamwork.
1: Exactly. And that's what I like about, so much about it, is because when you look at the masthead, you can read all these names. And the editor-in-chief is someone called Sophie Hendricks. Then you've got art directors, the graphic team, the text team, the image team, the production team, the PR social team, the editorial coaches, the publisher, all this stuff. And that is just, obviously, this wonderful tutor, Frank, is has played a big hand because he's not his first rodeo of doing that. But I just feel like the fact that they've all got together and done this magazine and they've managed to work out that there can be like 10 people in the graphic team there can be 10 in the image team Mm -hmm. and they've obviously worked together to make something so coherent and energetic and fun and also there's photos of them in it and all the fashion shoots you can tell that they've just got like they're good looking mates to do it and there's lots of (laughs) smiles in here there's lots of kind of uh, yeah it's
0: very upbeat isn't it it's really upbeat and you can
1: you can just tell they've had such fun making it and then some of the illustration is Pretty bonkers, probably illustrations that you wouldn't see in any other magazine, but they've put it in. They've had loads of fun with the typography, the design, the features are really great. I mean, it's just, it's very enthusiastic, very fun. It's exactly what you'd want. And I think if I was them, I would be very proud that mm-hmm. I've not only made a fantastic magazine in this big team, but I've also made a kind of time capsule of all my mates mm-hmm. at uni. Yeah. Because then you it's can look like back the on that. And <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. So it just feels really fun yeah. in that way and f- very full of love. And it's not pretentious in any way. It's just...
0: Well, that's key, isn't it? They, they, they missed that whole thing. They, they, well,
1: it's, they, not, it's they not trying to really be good something good else. Yeah, it's
0: just... Yeah, yeah.
1: It's very unique. And, yeah, I'm just a massive fan. Elsewhere
0: elsewhere on the shelves.
1: Elsewhere on the shelves I, I should add,
0: that's not actually on the shelf yet, but we're going to be stocking that as soon as I can get hold of some copies in the shop. So yes, watch out that for that.
1: Garment Magazine 2019. So the next one we want to talk about is Club Sandwich, which yeah. you may have seen knocking about on Instagram. I know I have. I think
0: last week it was um, our Magazine of the Week on the website. Yeah. So yeah, you can read about it there. But your thoughts?
1: In, if you're going to look at a shelf of magazines to to pick up, I would definitely pick up this magazine, the beautiful gold embossed, cover, the pickle issue. It's number three. I feel like they've made it past the difficult second issue. Yeah. We're on to number three. It's a magazine that is not obviously all about pickles.
0: but It is about sandwich ingredients, though, isn't it? It's club it is. sandwich. Yeah, it's it a appears magazine. to be anyway. So it, they did egg mm-hmm. and then mushroom. Yeah. And now this is gherkin or, or cornichon.
1: Would you put mushrooms in a sandwich?
0: I wouldn't. But then you see they're working through... So far, they've done three issues, and they're working through my th- probably my three least favourite food groups.
1: So. <laughs> so the first two issues. I were... have to guide
0: them to bacon next. <laughs> not
1: like bacon. No, no, but I want bacon. Okay. So <laughs> that would be cool, actually. If you're listening, Club Sandwich editorial team, which you probably not. Anyway, the first two issues of this magazine were in French, and now this one is in English and French, which is great. And it's a big, old, weighty magazine all about pickles all types of pickles pickle juice history of pickles people making pickles the health benefits of eating pickles it's almost like I, I don't think you've ever wanted to know this much about pickles but it's so well curated and put together that it's all absolutely fascinating and I feel like it's just the right amount of content about pickles to keep you reading till the end but then just stop quite happily save the knowledge that there's nothing else it's kind With of no more stones to be on. it's
0: a little bit like a silly MacGuffin
1: yeah, exactly. It's got,
0: it's got that obsession with the, with the one subject, but it's not...
1: Yeah, but amazing it's, design. It's, it's,
0: it's jumping beyond sociology and, and all of that and getting into the health and food and the history of various uh, aspects.
1: It's well, just great. It's, it's unpredictable. It's just mm. so, it's so fun. And there's an interesting piece about the health benefits of drinking pickle juice, particularly if you have a hangover. There's an amazing section called Inner Word, which is just... Little tidbits, facts about pickles. For example, YouTuber Spirit Peyton films herself noisily munching and crunching into juicy dill pickles from a glass jar. This nine-minute video, viewed more than 26 million times, is thought to ease anxiety produced by soothing, crunchy visuals and audio that led to a relaxing, soothing sensation. So there's quite a lot of just interesting stuff, just things that you kind of don't necessarily need to know but are quite happy to know. I th- yeah, I'm such a huge fan, and I can't wait to see what the next issue is. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's bacon for Jeremy. I think I would like, what would I like it to be? Mayonnaise maybe, or?
0: Probably will be mayonnaise. Yeah, that would be good
1: though. Maybe, what else? Crumpets? Uh, Chicken nuggets? That's it, probably. Salad? (laughs) Not salad. (laughs) No one likes salad, Jeremy, come on.
0: (laughs) Other magazines, other magazines. I've got one here, C41, photography magazine. C41, named after the photographic process. It's a hefty beast. It's like 300 pages, lots of work. But what they they take advantage of the space that they have there to just show lots and lots of work. And the one thing we highlighted recently on the website, which I want to just guide you to here again, is the work of Max Seidentopf, who we know from Ordinary Magazine.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: He does that. And he's he's always... I mean, if you follow him on Instagram or uh, online, you will know that he's always making various pun works and, and works of art involving puns and, and visual jokes and stuff. And he's just taken the phrase, uh, nothing is carved in stone, and carved the word nothing onto stone, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I hope is self-evident. This a complete, nothing is carved in stone as a phrase means everything is mutable, everything can change. Yeah. But once you've carved the word nothing in stone, you actually you can't change it that's solid that's there um <laughs> and there's about 24 pages of these pictures with nothing carved in stone there you go I love it
1: i think i love it
0: <laughs> you're not sure are you <laughs> I think
1: um, I <laughs> what else can we mention happy reader i more, think more wordplay more wordplay than happy reader yeah you're, you like that, don't you?
0: I like a bit of work.: <laughs> so, so, so the happy reader, as we know, is always split in two halves. First of all, there's an interview, in, the, in this case, with the, uh, as they call it, American actor Owen Wilson. And he's the happy reader this time. So the half of the magazine is talking to him about his favourite books, da-da-da.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I would buy it, mainly for the photo, <laughs> photos of him. rather than. Front. I know you're meant to read this magazine, but I think I would just be lying if I said I wasn't going to buy it for the photos of Owen Wilson.
0: It's got a nice house as well.
1: He's got a very nice house. I think now is time that we go into an excerpt from the conversation that you had in New York, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, in the last podcast, we met some of our speakers, uh, but we were also holding some, some smaller events while we were in New York for our conference. And in this one, I had a conversation with um, two magazine editors. I sat with Felix Burrichter, who's the founder and editor of um, Pinup, the architecture magazine, and Alison Lewis, who's the editor of um, the literary and art magazine, American Cordata, and um, they hadn't met before. And it's always interesting when you bring people together from such different sort of areas of, of, of activity, and they've found so much in common. And I think, whilst Felix has been publishing magazines, I think I, they're up into the uh, issue twenty twenty nine. I can't remember. American Cordata has just published their issue 9, so they're relatively new to it. They had a really good conversation starting, and we, we're going to listen to them now talking firstly about the creative side of making the magazines and, and, and the, comparing their experiences. Then they go on to talk about the business side.
2: One advantage we have is that our name starts with an A, actually. And so there's like the Poets and Writers uh, (laughs) Uh website where it seems most uh-huh. people who are sending out their short stories go, <laughs> and I think they like sort of go through the A's <laughs> okay. uh, and then get tired, <laughs> honestly, because we like even when we were starting, we got a lot more submissions. Than so there's a the top tip if anyone starting yes. a
3: magazine, it's, it's, it's like the top yeah. of the old telephone directory,
2: okay. a- A1. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's like, you know, you prior to the talk, you asked for if there's a mistake that you made, and I think it would, would be to start a magazine that starts with an A. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. you have Always, yeah. P is always at the bottom of the Yeah, hour. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the name America Cordata doesn't it might be it's at the top of the okay. list, but it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah.
2: And we get a lot it's interesting. So Cordata is um, in the like classification of living beings. There's like kingdom phylum class. Hmm. It's the phylum that's everything that has a spinal cord. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I would almost say it was a mistake to pick a name that was so obscure (laughs) (laughs) and hard to pronounce when you just see it, Mm -hmm. but now we're going with it. Um, But the idea, it came from a Joseph Brodsky quote, but the idea was sort of the diversity of lived experience and Mm -hmm. that we want to get all of that and represent all of that. Mm -hmm. But we get a lot of people who think that we're a magazine about animals. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: there's lots of confusion, or like hearts, you know, because I think that, that there's a some prominent Mary valve that's called something mm-hmm. that's very like mm-hmm. Cordata. So uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time explaining and yeah. so trying to bring that. You know, if our idea is to be not pretentious and to be open, so I spend a lot of time being like, it's okay, nobody knows what a Cordata is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're, oh, not you're
2: not
3: so <laughs> And then an architecture magazine called Pinup. Yeah, we spend a lot of time and <laughs> tagging people on. Instagram. Yeah. On, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. On Instagram. yeah. <laughs> yeah if you search Pinup, you got a lot of pinups that don't necessarily are architectural. <laughs> well, so I, I, I should explain the, the name. So I, I went to architecture school uh, here in New York. Also, and mm-hmm. the term Pinup is kind of is almost like, is a review. So when you when you have a final review before you show your work, mm, okay. you do a pinup. Yeah and it's always meant to be informal. It's kind of a discussion among I'm friends. A crit. It's a crit, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's a crit among friends yeah. and it's not kind of a hard crit. You know, you mm-hmm. can show very loose mm-hmm. uh, work and ideas and it doesn't have to be refined. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I really like that as a, as a concept mm-hmm. of, um, of, you know, of, of more like a conversation and of, of maybe even sometimes unfinished thoughts and mm-hmm. projects. Then the, there's a section at the front of the magazine, which it's the pinup board. Yeah. Yes. So that builds on that. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but that but strangely, that, that didn't come until like issue seven or mm-hmm. so, or issue eight, because we, we were getting a lot of submissions for kind of shorter stories also, mm-hmm. and the magazine was starting to get thicker, and and then uh, we we figured, out, well, let's have an pin, actual pinup board in the in the mm-hmm. issue. But the the name pinup really came from from architecture. Yeah, Our architects immediately get it, and everybody else is absolutely confused. <laughs> but of course, you know the the connotation that comes with pinup. we also, I I also thought were interesting, in the you know, in the vein of architectural entertainment. It originally said adult architectural entertainment, but then yeah, uh, we have actually people who follow pinup, or buy pinup, or read pinup because of. Not because of their interest in architecture, but their interest in design. Yeah, design mm-hmm. has always yeah. been a huge part of, mm-hmm. of the magazine, and it's uh, kind of DNA. Mm-hmm. One issue is with architects, in, and being one myself, or having been one myself, is that they tend to think that they can also design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I'm sure they can. You know, they can, but it doesn't necessarily look good. So um that's I learned that very quickly also in the beginning to mm-hmm. not design my own magazine which i I was prepared to do mm-hmm. uh, and I'm very happy I didn't but I think that's probably anyone who starts a magazine, whether it's architecture or anything else I would highly recommend being very intentional about choosing mm-hmm. your yeah, designer and, and mm-hmm. the design identity yeah. uh, especially for you know if you're gonna uh, for print, I think it's so important that if you're you know because to put news out you don't need print you know you, you have you have all the possibilities in mm-hmm. your you know for, for online um so it really is about also making a, vi- a visual statement like you like you said mm-hmm. you know um, like creating some kind of contained object and i think that's where the design to me is almost 50 percent of the mm-hmm. sometimes even more mm-hmm. of the of the um of the product yeah. or of the, you know. does that Tell you with your experience. Well, I don't
2: know if it's probably different for a literary magazine. Yeah, but we well we ch- we are very intentional about design too, which I think similarly a lot of literary magazines are very straight in their design. And we try to have a design that sort of doesn't draw attention to itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that the attention is on the art and the writing. Um, but that is modern and like hip and mm-hmm. uh, interesting to look at and it's fun. We just So we've had the same design and we've just redesigned for the new issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was fun to think about sort of how you can use, you can draw attention to the text as well as the images. I really hate pull quotes, especially Uh on like stories. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. uh, Well, they don't work
0: in this show. They don't really, yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, there (laughs) are places that do it. Yeah. (laughs) But it it makes it seem like, oh, this sentence is really shocking or really beautifully Mm -hmm. written. So like, look at that. But we did decide to. We have at the front of each story now a bigger page of text in like a fun font that's either some of them already had like an epigraph at the front Mm -hmm. or like a sentence that sets the tone sort of for it so that when you're flipping through, hopefully it's the text that draws you in too. And it's sort of given the same visual weight as the art. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, that's another thing that book publishing doesn't do very much, of thinking sort of innovatively about design, so. Um, and it's also not my thing. <laughs> so really cool to get to work with a designer, yeah.
0: So what comes across from both these this sort of passion and the- direct involvement in the making of these artefacts. Mm. There's the other side of the business, which is, I mean, you're, you're both well into the publishing program. It, mm-hmm. Magazines seem to be existing and continuing to exist. But the, yes. the business side of things, there's yeah. always something that, get, that gets brought up gets the the and asked about. <laughs> yeah. um, how does it, I mean, you know, 26 issues, that's in, in this scope. and So many of these magazines maybe Know, we see a lot of magazines come and go three or four issues and, and they make an oddly splash and they're great and then I'm, I'm proud i still have the back issues but they no longer publish new issues but 26 issues is quite an achievement how how are you funding it how did, does it fund itself does
3: it do you do you take a living from it or are you um, is it is it still um, a sort of side project well it started as a side project mm-hmm. and and it used to be that for the first uh, Eight issues or so. It was kind of funded by my, you know, my my architectural salary, Mm -hmm. and then the crisis. You know, the yeah. uh, yeah. So then I I was kind of I was kind of forced to make pin up the uh, my Mm -hmm. main uh, job, and it does. I mean, it has been since since then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, I think it's it's an interesting. Feel because it is also a little bit amorphous as a as a source of income because you know you have I mean I, I'm obviously doing it because I have a, a, a not just me but everybody involved with it has is very passionate about it mm-hmm. and I, th- I think if you're not then it really is not you know, if you, if you if your goal is to make money I wouldn't recommend this no absolutely, so, um, absolutely. <laughs> you know you have to be have some sort of you have to be possessed by an idea or like mm-hmm. a, a, at least obsessed to want to do this. But then once you have it, and once you kind of build the, this identity or brand, if you, even if you want to call it, you know, then there is different ways of uh, monetizing it. Some we're still figuring out, and some mm-hmm. we've, we've uh, you know, our main uh, source of income has been print ads. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. because you you've, you've got quite a few, b- quite big brands involved now. Yeah, and 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 it's especially kind of design brands yeah. Uh, yeah. like. Well, actually, Fiducus is not but um, but <laughs> <laughs> the competitors are. Um, the uh, but it's yeah, it's a bit it's um, it's a lot of design brands and some fashion brands, mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of the classic model. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I don't think it's one that you can necessarily rely on entirely anymore mm-hmm. uh, in this day and age. Yeah, you know, both we are getting more creative and in, in you know kind of. Finding uh, projects where you know it ties into maybe um, a digital um, uh, component mm-hmm. or an event component or you know an- another. So you're you know, talking about working with a partner on this specific yes. project, whether it's yeah. an event
0: or launch or something, yeah. or uh, digitally. Or, um
3: so' it's, it's almost like a bit like a creative agency, yeah, yeah, yeah. but all, it always kind of ties into, I think the reason why we we might have actually a, a smaller reach than some some mm-hmm. other creative agencies. so but I think what uh, what is attractive to is is the tie-in with the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I think and and you probably find this as well, what I think there is still, despite uh, this proliferation of digital publishing, there is. A certain kind of cachet uh, attached to having a story in print mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, somehow that hasn't gone away or it's yeah. almost become more important mm-hmm. because um, now it takes so much more to actually have something in print <laughs> yeah because yeah. there there's less publications and it's also you know it kind of um, you know as a online you kind of feed a machine you know but a lot yeah. of publications just have to publish at least or five times a day right, it just disappears, and it just you know disappears and it's almost on to you to like prolifer you know to, mm-hmm. to publicize it yourself your own yeah, story yeah, on yeah. through through uh social media so um i think this this kind of the the change of pace as a print publication is very attractive to both writers mm-hmm. and also even you know companies all the time companies are like oh write about this or write you know mm-hmm. and you like oh yeah well, we'll do a nice online article and and they say, no, 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 no we, we actually want something uh-huh. in print. Uh-huh. And uh, I
0: find, I mean, that's the feedback I get a lot, and I find it really interesting still that there is, despite the obvious ease and simplicity of doing stuff online and distributing and sharing, still yeah. when it comes down to if people want to get their stuff in print, if only to show their mum and dad. I mean, right. it's, it's just that it's. But it sometimes also something. it's to take a picture of uh, yeah. it in print yeah, and, yeah, then, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and put it
2: back online. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you, you, you get income from selling the magazine.
2: Yes, and is that mostly that? just from Slime yeah, okay, yeah, Magazine, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we do well, like throw parties um, mm-hmm. and things like that, uh, and apply for grants. We apply okay. for a lot of grants.
0: Um, so, but then, do you get the grants? And or we, do? yes, we have get <laughs> the <that for> grants, <laughs> yeah.
2: but it's all very scary and unstable because mm-hmm. it's unclear if the endowment for the arts will continue and continue to have funding in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, Magazine, because of the government. Because of the yeah. government. Magazine distribution, at least on the literary side, there are lots of distributors failing. No, um, it's the same. Yeah. I think it's worse here than in the UK mm-hmm. yeah, um, by I think far. It is. And getting bought up printers getting bought up by bigger printers and things like this. So it's uh very tricky to know if you know, any income will be stable and to reach mm-hmm. enough people to fund because it's very expensive to print in color. so So it's always like last minute (laughs) yeah and we and we've made it work uh but it started out like personally funded yeah uh, Yeah. and now we fund the printing and the shipping we so we fund ourselves but we don't pay ourselves
0: do you pay your contributors
2: we do yeah yeah Yeah, we started and it's modest we paid them like 40 dollars which Poets are really excited about because poets don't get paid, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like journalists would not be excited amount. about. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just sort of more as like a gesture of mm-hmm. like this is work uh, and we really value it, and one day maybe we'll pay it even more.
0: <laughs> but in a sense from that, so across yeah. across the eight nine issues, you, yeah. you've gradually got more uh, steady in terms of.
2: We've gotten more steady, yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of just selling copies um, and sort of making decisions about where we print and how we print to make that Mm. make sense. And we had one issue, so we've had one ad. um, (laughs) (laughs) We're like really the babies compared to you. Um, But we had one issue that uh, Canon printed for Mm -hmm. us because they have these new printers. Um, So they used it as an advertisement for their printers and printed a bunch of extra copies and also printed an ad that Mm -hmm. we got to design, which Mm -hmm. was nice um, in the issue and then did it for free. So that's sort of. Saved us and has yeah. <laughs> allowed us to continue to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, maybe tons of designers will be coming to us, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wanting to print <laughs> their ads. Um, but I'm not sure at what point you know prominence you have to be to get there. I don't know.
3: It's a creeping process. Yeah, actually, it, it's it's really funny because this dynamic right now is um, it's occurred to me like a, several times now that this happens where pinup used to always be the like the, the you know the the, the little one mm-hmm. you know the zine like publication and we still operate the magazine sometimes you know for better or worse in the spirit of making a zine even though it looks you know feels very grown up but I think in in with the uh, kind of demise of the big publications and you know like even big publishing houses they mm-hmm. operate you now yeah. they operate their their publications like more and more like startups you know mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. They don't have the budgets anymore so we all of a sudden find ourselves in this position where like we're, You're we're the grown up. We're, we're kind of the grown-up even <laughs> though we're like not really operating as one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah it's, it's fascinating i mean the 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 how the that the whole environment has changed
0: so thank you again to uh, Alison and felix for joining me for that conversation and thank you to our host Fitsu. You might have noticed in, in my intro there that I, I studiously avoided the words ModMag. <laughs> um, because mod mag is no more. <laughs> We've relaunched it as mag Culture Live and we're already planning mag Culture Live for London on the 7th of November. Woo! You'll be there again. I will be. Hosting. I'll be there. Panicking. <laughs> um, but the new name, uh, we're sort of theming it all a little bit around magazines that make a difference. But we're also pulling out these, these sort of different kind of aspects of magazine making. So it's, all, it's always featured these kind of people, but we're focusing on art direction, journalism, typography, photography, and illustration as some of the key disciplines that go, that go into magazines. And we've already announced some speakers. We've got Matt Willey from both Port Magazine here and the New York Times in, in, in uh, the States. Martha from It's Freezing in LA, uh, favourite climate change mag. Charlie, who spoke in New York, is reprising her talk um, f- uh, about Galdem. And there's more. More to be added. and um, So tickets are on sale now and uh, the early bird tickets are available until the end of September. So to get in now and save some money on those.
1: Cool. That's going to come around quickly, isn't it? November? It's going to come
0: around super quickly, super quickly. Excellent. Um, tickets are going fast. London Printers Park Communications are a key part of the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers make their dreams a reality, both in the UK and the US. Park offer a wide range of services to make your magazine stand out in a shop like MagCulture. As well as supporting this podcast, Park are a regular part of our annual conference MagCulture Live where their shelves of magazine samples always attract plenty of attention. Just like MagCulture, Park Communications love magazines and we're proud to have them as partners.
1: Right, into the back issue, our final feature of the episode. Jeremy, what have we what have you pulled from your dusty old shelves today?
0: I have dusted down a 1985 copy of The Face magazine because, well, it was an important magazine, but also because uh, next month or next six, six weeks or so, the new face will be published as a magazine. It's yes. so already online, and we've talked about that before. Do you ever look at the, the yeah. face feed stuff? Do you find it interesting?
1: I follow it on social media like yeah, I yeah. do um, every other magazine, and then if I, something interesting comes up, I click on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say uh, i check it. Mm-hmm. But I don't it's there. very much don't check things as much as I used to anyway. I yeah, used yeah. to kind of in the morning open up you know yeah, yeah. days, days yeah, day yeah. whatever but now i i think i probably should start doing that again keep up with the youth <laughs>
0: young <laughs> but, people um but no not anymore yeah. but
1: yeah it's, it's very good but i i'm it very seems excited to be about building
0: quite a strong presence yeah but the challenge for the print magazine is highlighted by the issue that i've got here so this there's been a lot about the face all you know from paul horman's book on Uh, And they tend to focus on Nick Logan, the editor and the founder, with with absolute justification. But the reason I wanted to pick this copy was that um, it was at the the kind of height of its visual, at the height of the aesthetic and and, and type design that Neville Brody brought to the magazine. And this is really, for me, is the challenge of the new magazine, is how Neville set set a tone that was then followed up by a a whole range of different art directors, including Graham Rathwaite at at one point, he of the illustrations and ID. But this spread was—it's uh, um, as I say—it's March 1985, and it's an interview with Andy Warhol, which again dates it. That's Andy Warhol <laughs> was still alive. But I remember this spread vividly because it featured a huge W for Warhol, and that W was taken from the previous issue of the magazine, which was when it was the M of Madonna.
1: No way. So. Th-
0: it was kind of, kind of trying to echo the kind of reusing of material that Warhol did in his work. So the art director, Neville Brodie, took a part of the previous issue and repurposed it to the end of the new issue. Um, God, does
1: even, even that one spread... I'm sorry, because the listeners obviously can't see this, but it is, I'm sure you can find it online. It's, we'll, it's the we'll, first spread it, of the Andy Warhol issue. It, it, it'll be
0: on the, on the journal shortly yeah. after this podcast.
1: We look at so many magazines... And often the design is, is really exciting and, and great and enjoyable. There's so little that is as good as that. Yeah. And it does. It is quite extraordinary, isn't it? And, and there's, it? It can be so easily imitated, but also you can't. It's, it's really difficult to get your head around the use of imagery, yeah. the use of text, the use of... So, so, what what so, is
0: it? I think it's just really strong, confident design using a bespoke typeface. And various kind of modernist little interventions, sort of constructivist type things from the Russian era, uh, but also just intelligent. I mean, the, the the M of Madonna becomes W of Warhol is one thing,
1: and then she's there underneath it as a hint. Uh, to well, well, that's what it was
0: a bit of the before. page. So, so you've got the you've got the stand first from the previous issue, and that's a bit of the little other part of. Oh, so it's a collage. Do
1: you reckon it's just a, it's just because he probably wasn't using InDesign? Well, he definitely wasn't using InDesign.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no, in, it's, in a it's sense just a collage. That he was able to actually cut that out and stick it on the page, literally.
1: Blows um, my mind. But this takes it w- me back to art foundation being taught yeah. about this on on a projector, and everyone being like, "I want to make magazines," because you can see, yeah. you know, anything that Brody's doing, you're like, it looks so easy, but actually, when it comes down to it, uh, but then it's also not.
0: just a, just using a photograph, which I think is probably a, a, a kind of standard. Um, shot of Warhol, but repeating it six times. I mean, it's no, you know, it's not. It's not. In one sense, it's not stunning. I mean, that's you know, how many times has someone designed a spread of Warhol and used a repeat image? But it just, in this context, it just does what it does. It just works.
1: Mm-hmm. It's lovely. I'm glad you brought that one.
0: And I, and I need to go need to really go on. It's just that one spread there. Just the, we'll we we'll, we'll put it on the journal, and um, so that that is the benchmark. So whoever is going to be designing and working on the next face go for it
1: <laughs> good luck <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we've got time for isn't it it is it
0: its good to see you yeah good, good to, see see you. to see you too. um we're back soon with more I guess
1: yeah see you next month